available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. Pac-12 can say, hey, at least we're not the ACC, right? We can say that. We can. I think we can. Look, look, are there two? Pac-12 teams still potentially alive for college football playoff. Oregon and BYU. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the UCLA Bruins. Oh, the UCLA Bruins. No. Yes. Fresno State, too. They're up Fresno there. State's up there. <laughs> it's BYU, San Diego State. How's their record? <laughs> They're pretty good. Um, yeah. With uh, it's weird stuff, our picks are absolute trash. We, you know, we've been consistently over 500 most of the time, and we are not. Right now, we'll try to turn that around. Uh, so hopefully, you guys are betting with us, and you know, you bet small first, and now you're going to like bet big. This is yeah, because like... we've we've provided you proof of concept. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now you got to buy in on this stuff. Uh, I, I mean, it's funny. I've been following like analytics and trying to like go with that. I'm like, oh, and like they're bad too. Like they're just like you know, this has been a horrible year for analytics uh, yeah. for the Pac-12, specifically just for the Pac-12. Right. Which, this is the first year I decided I'm going to use analytics in my picks. I'm going to look at the, what these lines are and stuff bad for idea. the analytics. Yeah, whew, it, that's been bad. But anyway, if you were picking against Ryan at this point, you would be 19 and 15. Yes, on games against the spread, that's making you money. And it, you would be 18 and six. You know, eh, that's like break even. Yeah, okay. 18 and 16. That's like break even. But 19, right. 19 and, and 15. Now you're talking. Well, at least you know you're below 500. Well, I love that. There so uh, anyway, if you want to email us your questions, comments, concerns, pack to a podcast. At the gmail.com, not the Gmail, just Gmail, but uh, using the Gmails, uh, you can leave us a voicemail, short one, please, or a text message at 424-532-0678. I think our buddy Perk has a voicemail with, for us this week. He loves calling in, which we love to hear from him. You can tweet at us at Pac12Podcast, and the website is Pac12Podcast.com. Some people are using it. You can see our picks. Follow us along as we sink deeper and deeper into the hole as we make our picks against the spread, which we just like doing. Uh, and you go to reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions and chat with other POC listeners and Pac-12 fans. But most importantly, and this has been wildly successful, I got more $100 jockey gift cards in the mail, David. They're, they're, they love it. Jockey's loving it. The, the listeners are loving it. They are reviewing this podcast at a crazy rate. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. The best one every week, literally, seriously, gets a $100 gift card to Jockey. Like, why are we doing this? I don't know. It's great, and it's working. I'm wearing one, two, three, four articles of Jockey clothing right now. (laughs) Nice. Only one of them you can see. (laughs) Um, All right, we've got uh, eight new reviews, it looks like. So we'll just start right in with a long one. Uh, This is from Adam from the Valley. Uh, it's a five-star review. Soiled. 
I've listened to this podcast since the beginning, and I must say, as the years progress, the quality has gone down tremendously. It's like when your favorite childhood diner changed ownership, and now you get the squirts each time you eat there, but you still go for the fond memories. Ryan is the heart of the show in that he literally keeps it pumping each week by doing all of the work. He comes off as humble and agreeable, but his Trojan privilege shines through every time he mentions his midweek trips trips to Catalina, beach parties in Europe, and endless rounds of golf. Like, what normal, hardworking American has time for all that shit? Dave is the soul of the show in that he doesn't provide any physical contribution, but he sure bitches and moans a lot. Here's a guy who hates when Ryan provides spring practice updates, yet he'll prattle on for hours about why Andrew Johnson was the worst U.S. president. Or was it Buchanan? I can't remember because no one listening actually gives a damn. Oh, and despite his immense non-football knowledge, this resident Disney expert hasn't seen Wreck-It Ralph. Does he actually have kids, or is that just an excuse to be a lazy, bearded slob? <laughs> despite all this, I still listen religiously, but not for pleasure. Instead, I see it as, as penance for all the sinning I do each week, like rooting for parody or watching non-revenue sports on the Pac-12 network. And to be totally frank, I'm writing this review for the Jockey gift card so I can replace all the underwear I've soiled while angrily listening to the show... Adam in LA. I love it, Adam. That's a contender right there. Uh, right away. The only issue I would have is it's not like the show got worse. Like we this is the way it's been. Like so mm. for him to say It's the way it's been for like I would say the last four years. We were trying to do like a much better show, like the first year we did it. Okay. And then we fell into a rut and yes. we haven't escaped since. <laughs> All right. This is from Avery Abelhausen. Uh super fun podcast. Great banter. I love this Pac-12 podcast. It's so fun, and you can tell the gang puts in a ton of work into their topics, their analysis, and what they think will happen. It's cleverly produced, and they do a good job of making sure all teams get talked about. They have a lot of really fun banter, like I'm listening to friends talk ball. I look forward to listening every Monday. Oh, wait. Sorry. This was a review for No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. Podcast of champions? I don't mind it. Also pretty good. Also a contender. I like that. They get a little, you know... Shot in on the... I believe that's one of the hosts of the No Truck Stops podcast. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah. Avery. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the Utah... Yes. Utah yes. fan. Yes. yes. Uh, this is from Tango Jim, five-star review. Don't be fooled. These guys trade ad dollars for good reviews. What an incredibly high-rated podcast. It must be of exceptional quality and insight, you might say. Well, Joe Citizen, I have sad news for you. This podcast review section is nothing but a Star Farm trading sponsorship <laughs> gift cards for tidy whities in exchange for those five-pointed symbols of exceptional production value and content. Don't be fooled. For years, this podcast sounded like it was recorded via two styrofoam cups <laughs> tied together with a fishing line. Content-wise, it consists of two Los Angelino homers spouting how good their respective teams of preference are, only to have a limping and wheezing opposing quarterback cut up your defense like a cardboard knife through a spider web because your obtuse DC keeps the DBs prepared to play as outfielders instead of realizing he's coaching for the wrong sport, all the while ignoring the superior play of a Husky team putting up an ungodly amount of points and covering the spread like the blanket that must have covered as an arrow as he caught up on his rest before he has to suit up for another exhausting holiday season at the local Macy's. Wow, because he looks like a Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, now we shall have our revenge, fair listeners. Inspired by the literary masterpiece by B.J. Novak, the book with no pictures, I will raise their ad-laden review farm by making them read an ad of my own. Are your kids too old to believe in Santa? Do they roll their eyes when you try to turn up the Christmas magic and keep trying to flush that elf on the shelf down the toilet? Well, do we have the holiday miracle for you? Head on over to SantaAz.com to support to surprise your family with someone who missed their true calling and now makes up the misery he created by uh, spearing happiness, by spearing, by spreading happiness and cheer to preteens yeah. all over the world by making house calls, birthday appearances, and drunken stand-up sets. 
his new calling in life. Use the promo code Podcast of Crappy Ones to get your special pricing on summer dates where Santa shows up at your beach party with a beard stained with rum and cokes with a beard stained with rum and cokes. What are you waiting for? Get this man out of a dead end job and into his true calling in life today. All right, Tango Jim, that was a great one. It was Except- really great. The reason it will not win is because you did not put a single paragraph break in that thing. <laughs> no paragraph breaks and very little punctuation. I was reading something in Old English. Um, <laughs> all right, this is from... I uh, wouldn't say that the star from Cups... I think we've always had sound quality. Like, we even recorded in the same room from the very beginning. Like, we, this was not... There's definitely... Podcast- there was a period of time where the sound quality wasn't good, which is when I lived in Georgia. Well, that and, made it a little harder. Yeah. But I would say sound quality, we've mostly had that. Yeah. Pretty good. The, the, the content and everything. Yeah. You, of of course, fair. that's that's the issue you have all with fair. that review. Yeah. Uh, this is from Jason Morhees. Uh Hollywood elites with bad jokes. I only listen when USC and or UCLA lose, preferably at the same time. Good. Uh, this is from Dills Nick 21 uh, Subject line, meh and uh, body, meh. Winner? <laughs> I like it. Uh, <laughs> this is from Shino B. Uh, Ears bleed. Having been stationed in Mississippi since 1999, I I don't get to watch my beloved Bruins play. I guess the next most horrible thing next to watching my team lose in triumphant fashion, I can listen to these two geniuses. One tries to convince this week we will win while the other one laughs in. Laughs in. Oh, fight on, I'm guessing. I'm not sure. Yeah. Got to go. Time to make my ears bleed again. All right. All right. Uh, we don't mind drinking and posting your reviews. That's fine, too. <laughs> we, just, we just don't understand what they mean, but uh, that's fine. Here's another one with no line breaks from Christopher B. Bruin. Uh, oh, God. Big news. While I want to write an honest and earnest assessment of the POC, I realized honesty and earnesty don't play well with this crowd as people prefer hearing Dave read whatever invasive thoughts pop into their head. However, I believe in the power of spreading love. Yuck. So I will now list all the reasons why I love this. Look, Crispy Bruin, while I'd love to keep reading your frankly disgusting positive review, Ryan just handed me a piece of paper. He's now gesturing at me. You want me to read this? What, they didn't teach you to read at your fancy private school? Now he's banging his head on the table in frustration. Whatever, dude. It's your last two brain cells you're killing. Fine, I'll read it. Statement from Southern California Athletics Director Mike Bone. In the career of an athletic director, there is no po- there's possibly no single task one is remembered for more than the hiring of the instruct- institution's football coach. Such a, coach, such a coach must match the core qualities the institution holds in esteem and whose alumni and fans around the world embody on a daily basis. In the past two weeks, we have conducted a nationwide coaching search that I can assure you included coaches without prior associations with our institution. After a thorough selection process and pending his inevitable dismissal from his current position after going 5-7 and seven this year, it is my honor to announce that national championship winning coach Ed Orgeron will become the next head coach at Southern California. We are happy to bring Coach O and 2 against UCLA back into the Trojan family and are ready to equip him with all the resources he needs to compete in the circa 1970 Pac-8, including providing him with the services of an actual grounds creeper for his practice field. We in the athletic department firmly believe Coach O can go at least two months before the wheels completely fly off this thing. Best of luck to Coach O, and remember to fight on like the malignant cancer we Trojans are. Chris... It would be good, but again, like when you're gonna do a back and forth, you need some paragraph. Breaks. I need, like, I need some. You because just, like that enter button is so critical, guys. Like when we're if if it's Dave and I talking, like it just looks like this big, massive letters. Yeah, like, yeah. And again, uh, we don't prepare at all. So <laughs> if you're providing a skit in here, like some sort of like ability for me to like work with that before I'm like halfway into reading it would be great. 
Uh, this is from Patton51, a five-star review. Uh, I am a sick, sick man. For some sick, twisted reason, I am a Pac-12 fan. I don't know why. Is the league well run? Nope. Is the officiating good? <laughs> also no. Is the football product good? God no. But still, I come back every year thinking this will be the year. This will be the year Chip Kelly actually decides to recruit. This will be the year USC actually figures out it's USC. This will be the year David Shaw doesn't punt on fourth and one from his opponent's 40-yard line. This will be the November Utah doesn't choke. And since I like pain, I also listen to this podcast. Very strong, too. I got to say it's Adam from the Valley. Yeah, the soiled one uh, had it for me. Um, Adam from the Valley, please drop us an email. You can email me directly, Ryan, at uscfootball.com. No, no, no. Email, email uh, pac 12 podcast. At so then I have to forward it to myself so I can send him the gift yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. And I, just I went and bought stamps. You know, stamps are like 58 cents now. Jesus. Is this leading into a stamps.com commercial? No. I wish that. Yeah, they should sponsor us what so I can hell? send those things out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was a good one. Um, the one last week, I just sent out that one. Who was, who was it? Uh, that was a great one. I don't know, man. I forget what it was, but yeah, thanks for the, all the reviews. Those were awesome. Um, such good stuff. So yeah, send us, uh, you know, send us your information. Just, just, I got to ask I, I, one more time. Yeah. Line breaks. Just please. Please do some line breaks. Line breaks. We're giving um, you a hundred bucks. Like just hit just, enter. Yeah. Just hit enter. <laughs> it's not a typewriter. You're, I assume you're not doing this on a typewriter. Right. Just hit that enter button. It's very quick. It just drops you down to the next line. And if you're being really friendly, do it twice. Because if you do it twice, then there's a little bit of space between the thoughts, yeah. right? Um, so like paragraphs, for example, like for the paragraph, it that's like a discrete, you know, thing. You know, you want to have a topic sentence. It, you want to kind of... It's an independent thought. Yeah, I yeah. Guess. And then you hit it, enter, enter, and then you get to the next one. And if you're doing a skit of some sort where I have to like... Um, kind of on the fly, uh, do like line reads and stuff. If you could provide quotation marks, just so I know what I'm working with when I'm looking at that thing, that would be great. Appreciate all of you out there doing your thing. Nice. Uh, all right. So Dave's already exhausted just from going. Oh my reviews. god! I I was not I I I was not expecting to like what were the 500 word theses that had absolutely no enters in there. I'm shaking. <laughs> It is hard to read, especially get older. Like sometimes after a while, like we're reading well, these long this, emails, and the, you're just the, staring at the screen. Like my the, eyes start glazing. The, over. the contrast on this monitor is like not great, and so when I'm looking at like small fonts against a white background, I'm just like, I don't know, man. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, we have some unfortunate news. Uh, Aaron Lowe um, from Utah football team was killed in a shooting incident. So basically, after the game, early Sunday morning. He's also from Mesquite, Texas, same hometown as Ty Jordan. Um, he was wearing Jordan's number, like the connections between the two. It's just just another tragedy that the Utah you know, football program, athletic department has to deal with, Dave. Yeah, it's absolutely awful. Um, and, I mean, there was a lot of connection. I mean, he was from the same place. He was wearing the number um, for Ty Jordan. Um, just awful. Um, absolutely awful. So uh, our thoughts go out to... Uh, Obviously, his family, uh, Utah football program, um, and then in addition to that, the Washington State player, um, yeah, was, was shot the I think the previous morning. Um, just awful, um, just uh, senseless and um, deeply, deeply unfortunate. It was great to see the outpouring of support, you know, around the Pac-12, different coaches and you know broadcasters, everybody. So, um, but yeah, we we needed to mention that up at the top. It's a tough one, uh, but. Another, you know, we'll see how Utah kind of responds. To that. Just, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you do? Like, it, this is a friend, a colleague, you know, it's just someone that's been so close to you just being gone. Uh, it's just, it's like unimaginable. 
Yeah, completely. I'm sure there's grief counselors and everyone for the team, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if you get past that. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so it sucks. We have to start the show like that, but, uh, we, you know, we needed to talk about it. Um, AP poll real quick. Oregon's up to number three. UCLA is 20. Where's our friends, uh, BYU and Fresno state. Like they're, like mm. they're part of the San Diego state. Are they, are they ranked? Uh, BYU has got to be up in the teens now, right? I would think. Let's um, see. Let's see. Where's BYU? Still got two more shots. BYU is up to thirteen. Wow! So Pac-12 has two Fres- top fifteen. Fresno teams. State's at eighteen. Not bad. There are four top twenty Pac-12 teams in there. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, San Diego State? Are they? No, no, no San Diego State. Who did they see. beat? Oh, they're they're uh, if it went out, they would be twenty eighth. Okay. Did they? Who did they beat in the Pac-12? They beat somebody. They beat Arizona, and then they beat Utah. Wow, crazy! So they're two and zero. Yeah, they should be ahead of uh, Fresno State because Fresno State's one one, right? Like, I've got something for you. Why is Oregon State only getting four votes in the AP poll? That doesn't make much sense. Did anybody watch that game? Apparently not, because they beat the living piss out of USC, and we'll I mean, talk about this a little bit more. But yes, the pollsters were smart. Like they didn't put USC back in the poll after beating the crap out of Washington State. They're sort of like, yeah, we'll we'll wait off, we'll wait a week. I and, don't really get ASU being so far out either. Like they are, what would be 29th, 30th, 31, 32, 33, 34th. Yeah. Which they've only lost to BYU. Yeah. Uh, well, I sent you my power rankings and I didn't see a response. So um, should we do a live power ranking? Uh, this. So I'll tell you what I did. And then we, if you disagree, we can change. Hang, hang on. Hang on. Let me just give it a quick perusal. Okay. All right. This is good radio. Um. Oh. Okay. Uh. One. Uh. Your number eight needs to drop down. Uh, they need to be either nine. They. They probably just flip them with number nine, and we're good. Okay. We can do that. Um. Yeah. Everything else is fine. Um. You could. Yeah. That. Everything else is fine. You could probably talk me into sl- flipping five and six, but it's fine. Okay. We'll. Uh. We'll see. Uh, we'll, I think we'll know a little bit more about five this week. Uh, all right. So let's go through. Um, like I said, both of us went two and four in our picks. Um, the one We had different ones. I had Cal correct, and Dave had UCLA correct. Uh, but we're going to go through all these games, and we're going to start with our number 12 team. Arizona Wildcats. And uh, they were taken on on the road. Oregon Ducks. Our number one team. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this one was a much more interesting game than the uh, final score is going to indicate. Uh, you see, oh, wow, Arizona beat Oregon 41 to 19. You're like, okay, you know, Oregon messed around for a little while, but then put them away. Um, this was a five-point game um, in the third quarter. Uh, Arizona was really, really, really competitive in this one. Um, and if Jordan McLeod had maybe thrown two fewer interceptions, call it, uh, they could have won this game. Hmm. Um, Jordan McLeod threw five, um, in his first start. But my impression of watching him five real- incomplete passes, five interceptions. Also, oh, the other team caught five of his passes. Yes. Okay. Correct. Um, so Oregon won by. 50, I assume. Right? Hang on. I'm saying something <laughs> nice about Jordan McLeod here because he threw five picks, but I think they have their quarterback now. Um, okay. I think he threw five picks and it was he was maybe put in positions where <laughs> they might not have been expecting him to be in, where he was having to make competitive throws in a, uh, you know, like in a critical situations in a very close game. 
Um, and the last one was just brutal. It was this great layered coverage that um, Oregon's DC, Tim DeRuiter, threw out there, and McLeod just, you know, underthrew it. Um, but he also shouldn't have thrown it. It was into triple coverage. But uh, that's stuff he'll learn. But he brought a lot to the table um, that neither Will Plummer nor Gunnar Cruz brought to the table, which was basically some ability to run. Um, he was able to make plays with his legs. And most critically for Arizona in this game was that they controlled the ball um, for long, long stretches of this game. Um, the third quarter especially, I think Oregon only possessed the ball for like a minute, um, something like that. Um, and that was clearly the game plan. They were going to try to control the ball on offense, take a lot of time off the clock, run a lot of plays, try to go efficiency, and they were more or less able to do it basically because they could run the ball effectively thanks to having that um, that secondary option, having a quarterback and, you know, two quality, I think, running backs. Um, and Oregon had to play a competitive game in the second half in a Pac-12 game, which I think was probably good for them. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, this one ended up being a lot more decisive than it really was. Um, Arizona went up there and played a very competitive game. They had a very good game plan coming into the game. And I think Oregon was maybe not expecting that a little bit. Um, but uh, I was impressed. I thought uh, Arizona played about as good as it could have. Um, and a couple more things break their way. They could have won that game. Yeah, this was one. Um, I mean, I didn't get to watch much of because there's three Pac-12 after dark games, and I was covering one of them. So I had right. like an iPad. I believe it was the Arizona State Colorado game on. Um, I sort of saw what was happening here and was just disgusted. I was just <laughs> like, "Our picks are already garbage." And Oregon, you're really going to do this? Like, you're just going to like not even try against Arizona? Well, that's the upsetting part. Is like you're not going to cover. Well, if you're not going to cover, then could you please lose? Yeah, like because that'll be fun at least. Yeah, you win them by twenty or something or whatever it was. Like, not you know, that's not that's not that fun. No. Um, but uh, did you notice that Oregon went for the cover at the end? They threw Ty Thompson in there, and he was just throwing bombs on the final drive for no reason. Just trying to get the cover. They were trying to hit the cover. I appreciate that about Cristobal. He knew the number. Yeah, but he screwed it up earlier on. Um, okay, this is unfortunate for Arizona because we got some streaks going on. But for this game, by the time – so Arizona's got a bye week, right? We'll talk about the, the coming up games. By the time they play their next game, it will be a full two calendar years between victories for the Wildcats. Like, literally two years of and, not winning a single and football game. And who's that opponent in a couple of weeks? I'm sure it's an easy chance for a win, right? I, <laughs> I don't even see. Well, who's it's, it's UCLA. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a that's winnable. Like, <laughs> Yeah, UCLA. sure. The second best team in the league this year. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Well, at least it's not BYU again. Uh-huh. Right? Like, um, uh-huh. So... Yeah, sorry, Arizona. Like this, yeah. This the Pac-12 has been pretty drunk. Like this, this didn't make much sense to me. Just trying to w- follow the score, I was like, okay, whatever. What but, would Northern Arizona be doing in the league this year? That's the real question. They'd be one at eleven, middle of the pack. No, I think I actually think Northern Arizona could take on Colorado right now. Literally, this is so bad. Like Arizona's not been like you got to win a game. Like just win a game, please. Just win one. This is sad. Two to watch. years of no winning. I talked to a friend of mine. Took a job with the Arizona Wildcat football team, and I was just talking to them. I'm like, are you guys going to win one? Is his name Jed Fish? Oh, <laughs> not my friend, but I would like him. But yeah, that's because uh, there was a lot of hype there in the program. You know, a lot people were excited, and I mean, I think they really felt like they could come out and win some games. Like they could do better than the. 
two and ten or whatever one eleven people thought, but I'm not seeing that right now. So. I don't know. I mean, this game uh, it was competitive enough that, but you don't know if it's the kind of game where like did they just shoot their wad and now they're gonna go zero and eight the rest of the way? Yeah. Or was this a sign that they've figured a few things out? Is Jordan McLeod good enough that he can win a couple of games more or less by himself? Because frankly. Against Colorado, I think now this team has a better chance because they have a quarterback who's an actual weapon in some way, um, with his legs at least. So I don't know. I, I'm still holding out hope they can eke out a win or two, but we'll see. All right. Next up, our number 11 team. Colorado Buffaloes. And they were taking on our now number four team, which seems really crazy to me, but Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> Is it too soon to call for a head coach to be fired when he's only, uh, what is it, four games into his second year? Uh, really? So Colorado lost to ASU 35-13. They look absolutely moribund offensively. Uh, ASU's um, had some issues. Moribund's uh, not good, by the way. Yeah, it's, bad. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Not- uh, ha- ha- has had some issues uh, dealing with uh, running offenses, um, and Colorado was able to get a little bit on the ground. Uh, but Colorado can't throw the ball. I'm going to pin some of that blame on Brendan Lewis, sure. Uh, but you got to pin a ton of it, ton of it, a ton of it on this terrible, absolutely god awful, dog shit offensive scheme. Is it John Donovan's scheme, or is it a different <laughs> one? I so the people on the Colorado message boards keep blaming uh, Darren Shaverini. And I think he's been like kind of a whipping boy for a long time because he's been there forever, or at least four or five years. Um, this reeks of Carl Durrell. Ah, um, like this reeks of his bad and shitty you know offenses. Of his reek. Bad shitty offenses at Vanderbilt when he didn't have talent, and then like his mediocre to bad offenses at UCLA when he had NFL talent. Um, this reeks of that, and it reeks of what was going on at Vanderbilt when okay. You've got limited talent, and you're trying to run an offense that looks like something, I don't know. Uh, like 2005 Alabama would run. No, like what New England Patriots were running in 1995. <laughs> like you're going under center, ace formation, and there's only one way this run can go. Like no RPO action on that. Um, it seems like the only time Brendan Lewis really runs are on broken plays. He's not getting enough designed action for him. Uh, there seems to be no effort to make him comfortable. It's all like he's got to read a defense and make a throw, which is not him at this point. It's so poorly designed. It's such a shitty offense. I, I, I think it's like it's almost intervention time for the AD there. Like, Carl, whatever's going on with this offense, this can't continue. Um, because this wasn't – the cupboard wasn't bare offensively. They had two really good running backs in Fontenot and Jarek Broussard. Uh, Brendan Lewis looked fine last year in whatever crap they were running last year. Um, but now that more, more of, uh, Darrell's fingers have been over this offense, it suddenly looks like crap. Their offensive line wasn't supposed to be bad. Um, it was supposed to be fine. Um, so that's a lot about Colorado. Uh, ASU looked great. They looked, uh, the way they should against a very bad team and a very poorly coached team, which is what Colorado is. Um, Jaden Daniels played a really good game. Um, you know, he ran the ball really, really effectively. Um, but uh, I was just – just so much of this game for me was about just how disgusted I was with Colorado and what they've uh, – what what has happened to that offense since last year. ASU covered a 14.5-point spread in the Pac-12. Like, how yeah. bad is Colorado's offense that you allowed Herm Edwards to cover 
more than two touchdowns in conference. Like we've been crushing the Arizona State games, picking mm-hmm. like they're getting favored by a ton. We take the other team, take all the points. And Colorado has to be really bad for this to happen. We talked about some streaks, mm-hmm. right? Uh, here's one for you. It's a Pac-12 record streak. Eight quarters? Eight quarters. The, the, the record is 24 consecutive possessions in college football, playing, you know, out-of-conference teams too. Uh, yeah, without scoring a point. So 24 possessions, Colorado had the football and didn't score. Yeah, in a and, row. And, and like when I'm talking, like it sucks because I've uh, I've literally experienced this exact thing with UCLA in 2004. But uh, I I don't want to say it's hopeless for Colorado fans, but like I've seen this movie before. I've seen these offenses before. Unless some drastic change gets made, like it's not gonna be good. This offense is broken. It doesn't work. And he shouldn't be running it at the <laughs> like it's just I'm almost speechless. Like it's just it's so depressing to watch this because we've seen this fail time and time again, specifically for Carl Durrell. Yeah. Like Vanderbilt, go look at those Vanderbilt offenses, or I think it was just one year actually that Carl Durrell was the offensive coordinator. It was like the worst offense that's ever existed. <laughs> and this is gonna give it a run for its money. Wow. Well, uh and this like this is looks like a historically bad offense. Like that's just it's just, sad. It's sad to watch. And they're not our lowest ranked. Well, team. and I'm well, and that's another thing. It's like I'm looking at the Colorado message boards, and there's so much blame going around to like the players and all this stuff. And I've seen that conversation. You see it on every message board where there's the like people who are very quickly in the fire of the coach camp, and the people who are very quickly in the well, we got to defend the coaches and you know blame the players and the assistants and all that kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, as somebody who's been there with this specific guy, it's the coaching. It's the coach. It's not your players. Brendan Lewis looked fine in that one game last year. He's probably going to be fine if he was in like an RPO-based offense. It's just trash offense. I mean, do you remember like 1997 how well the Denver Bronco receivers played? (laughs) I'm not sure what year it was, but was that the right year? 2002, probably. Yeah, yeah. They played well, so I'm assuming it's not Carl Durrell. (laughs) Uh, the defense is good, though. I think the defense is pretty good. The defense is good, but they're going to get run over yeah, because like the no offense sure. is doing nothing. Yeah, that, like there's nothing more demoralizing. You you ask defenders about this, like, is it really hard sometimes? Like, you get a big stop. Yeah, goal line stands, and then you know your offense like throws a pick, and you're like back at the ten, defending the ten yard line again. It's like that. It doesn't help your psyche as you're like no. a twenty year old kid. You're like, I just did this. Like, do I got to do it again? Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's see what a- I'm. I'm still curious about ASU. What the hell is going on there? But you know, let's. Uh, they looked very competent against a pretty terrible team. Now I'm kind of disappointed they allowed Colorado to score. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, like, that's a little concerning. <laughs> you got some stuff to clean up. ASU. You're the one that like ASU. You're the one that you know they broke the eight consecutive quarter streak against. Yeah, you, how, how sad is that for you? Uh, all right. Well, we'll see what happens um, there. Okay. Now we're going to go to our number 10 team, Washington State Cougars. They were taking on who is our number six team, Utah Utes. This may have been the ugliest conference game I can remember. Um, The ugliest Pac-12 game I can remember. 
Um, there were three interceptions for Washington State. There were three fumbles for Utah. It felt like every time Utah fumbled, it was in like this critical spot where they were about to score or nearly going to score, or they had to get, or they just got momentum or whatever. Um, and then they would just fumble it right back to Washington State. Uh, just egregiously awful. Um, Utah was the much better team, I thought, just watching much. it. Um, eyeballing the whole thing. Uh, they ran the ball extremely well. They just couldn't hang on to the damn thing. Uh, this should have been, uh, watching it, it felt like it should have been like a, I don't know, three touchdown win for Utah. Uh, it ended up being 24 13. Um, they tacked on a pick six at the end. Uh, but a really, really, really ugly game. Um, you know, I just not not well played. Um, but Utah looked fine. Um, you know, they they they, you know, ran the ball really well and um, you know, they picked off Guarantano. Um again, what are you doing? Why are you playing a Tennessee transfer at quarterback? Dude, Stop doing that. J- Jared Garantano, like we knew that Delora wasn't gonna play. So don't play him. Play the Cameron Cooper guy. Utah was moving the ball, and then they would just screw up and not score. And, like, when you're – this is another one. Utah should have covered 14 points easily in this game. Yes. And did not. No. Um, so, again, Pac-12 drunk. Like, this looked like the way it, – it kind of played the way out, except Utah wasn't putting the cherry on top of all these drives, and that's the, that's the big issue there. Um, yeah, this was a, a problem that Utah was, you know, keep screwing up. Uh, but Washington State, I think, is bad, and the fact that they're only number ten, um, I don't know. And we're we're slowly approaching where we're like three games away from like that, the governor of Washington mandate that everyone has to be vaccinated. We saw if you watch any of like media day in the in the NBA yesterday, holy cow! Like, there's a lot of weird stuff that's going to be going on. Um, people taking you know lines in the sand, the conspiracy brain winning out over everything else. I mean, there's. You know, if you're what's it Wiggins for Golden State and uh, Irving for Brooklyn, like they're not allowed to play home games in their state because they're not yeah. vaccinated. Um, so there's going to be a shoe dropping in Pullman here pretty soon. So I'm I'm all about that. I'm getting the popcorn out ready for that one. But this was, uh, yeah, just ugly. Utah should have covered this one and didn't. So another one we got wrong that I didn't feel like we should have. No, yeah, exactly. But okay. Uh, our number nine team, USC Trojans. Uh, they were hosting our number now number three team. I don't even know if this ever happened. Oregon State Beavers. And I previously mentioned um, that one of the other scores was deceptive in a certain way. Uh, the Oregon Arizona game. Yeah. This is deceptive in the other way, mm. which is that it ends up being forty five twenty seven Oregon State. I feel like the true. I think it would be a truer uh, assessment of this game if it was 45 nothing. Like, I think that would have been a truer assessment yeah. of the actual dominance that Oregon State had in this game. Um, the Beavers, so here's the, one of the big things that I noticed in the first half of this game is that there was some insane calls against Oregon State. Like, just some insane things the refs were calling that prevented this from being broken open wide in the first half. Oregon State finished with 14 penalties for 154 yards, and it felt like 70 of those yards were illegitimate. Um, uh, I mean, they had three defensive holding calls on one drive. It I've was never crazy. seen that. Yeah. Like, now, that might have happened, and I think they were being, they were trying to be rough with like Drake, you know, Drake London and stuff, but that holding call that they, they called back a, a BJ Baylor 
It's like a 44-yard run. Oh, he would have been over 200 yards. I don't think there was The holding. call was horseshit. Like, yeah. uh, I, watching the, the TV, like, yeah, some of these were legitimate, but, like, a lot of it was just, uh, what were you even seeing there? Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so Oregon State, uh, even with that kind of uh, stacked against them in the first half, they came out of the halftime with, uh, I think it was a what, 21-17 lead. <laughs> they ran all over this USC Unbelievable. front. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was absurd to watch like <laughs> usc because you're always thinking okay usc they've got the talent you know they're gonna they're gonna be able to win enough one-on-one that you're not just gonna be able to just steamroll them especially with oregon state talent uh nope absolutely bj baylor looked like uh a freak show um but like everybody was running the ball on usc i mean it was a team effort i mean i don't uh, they were running sweeps they were running end arounds like the whole thing it they was did some wide runs that were really they finished, effective they finished with 322 yards on 51 carries that's like um obviously not doing it the same way but that's like stanford-esque when harbaugh was there like when they would just be like okay you're giving us the run all right we're gonna run just every single time yeah then, because you're giving it to us um, I, I thought just the way that Oregon State schemes, like the way they scheme their runs, it was just so effective. And it seemed like they had that defensive staff completely confused, um, like on where their gaps were and everything. Um, Chance Nolan looked incredible. Um, I thought he looked. Uh, he he came, threw 18 passes and had four four touchdowns. You know? Yeah. And but he also like ran the ball effectively, but he just looked so in command. Strong arm, accurate, um, kind of came out of nowhere for me. But again, that's kind of a testament to Jonathan Smith, where he's been a kind of a quarterback guru so far. There, I think every quarterback he's had has improved yeah. um, since since he started. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you look at Oregon State season now, if they start Chance Nolan against Purdue, they're four and zero. Are they four and zero? Yeah, and I think so. are they four and zero ranked and staring down their own kind of competitive games with Oregon and so on for the North? Um, yeah, but this was—I I haven't even mentioned USC. They look like shit. Um, they're—I oh, yeah. they're, mean—they run the ball poorly. Um, Keaton Slovis looked like awful in the second half of this one, trying to make the comeback. He was put in some tough spots because they're like obviously going to throw, and so they're dropping a bunch deep. But back, his arms back to kind of fluttering the ball a little bit. Like it's just not looking good. Um, but yeah, USC—they uh, look. They look like a team that actually does need to rebuild a little bit, which is kind of shocking to me because I would have said going into the game, they don't really have a talent issue. It's more of just the coaching issue. They might actually have a talent issue at some spots. Um, yeah, I think know. like the interior defensive line. Yeah. I think uh, you know the linebackers aren't you know, aren't that great. The receivers beyond Drake London. Um, you know, I'm not seeing a ton there. Um, now, maybe there's some guys waiting in the wings who are ready to take over, but you're used to seeing USC receiving cores with, I don't know, three or four guys who can all, who could all probably start for everyone else. Um, and it's just not there, I'm seeing. Yeah, and then people were asking about Jackson Dart, and uh, he had uh, meniscus surgery. So he's probably going to be out until like the bye week or so. It's like a three-week thing from what we've heard, but they're not they're being very coy about injuries and stuff right now. But we actually broke that one, Keely Yor. So give C- my congratulations. Yeah, Keely. Nice job on yeah. that one. They were like not saying anything. Like they did not want to say anything about like he's not practicing. Like, dude. Uh but anyway. Uh five straight touchdown drives for Oregon State. Um, that really put away. If you last week against Washington State, USC kind of dominated the second and third quarters. This was completely dominated by Oregon State. Um, two of those drives were 92-yard touchdown drives. It's sort of like when you draw up a play on the whiteboard and you're like, here's our X's and here's our O's. These X's are supposed to block these O's. Like, 
but it never works that way, right? Like that's your plan, but like that that O beats this X. Like none of the O's beat the X's. Like whatever you drew up, it's sort of like you ran it against a scout team and here was a hole and BJ Baylor had six yards till anyone touched him. And then if he makes somebody miss or he breaks a tackle, now he's gone for 15. USC just looked, it looked very undisciplined too. Like a lot of guys like seemingly getting out of their stance, getting like stood straight up a lot, especially on the defensive line. They just don't look well coached. No, um, they were and, not fighting off blocks. No, they just look sloppy. They look like they're trying to get one-on-one too much. And Oregon State, conversely, Again, we've said this is well times, but probably the best coach team in the league. Pound for pound. Yeah. yeah, just I mean, they've got they don't have the talent, but just pound for pound, one of the best coach teams in the league. And Jonathan Smith is really, really good at crafting an offense. I think that's apparent now. And it again stands in stark contrast to what Washington does offensively week <laughs> after week. Now, what has changed for Washington? Why has their offense looked like crap the last two and a half years? Well, no Jonathan Smith. Yes. Um, yeah, I talk, I have a buddy that works on the staff at Oregon State, and we were talking in the yeah, I mean, is your I think buddy Jonathan Smith? He's not. Uh, they're very confident um, of you know in this one. They just felt like they had a good game plan. And you know, BJ Baylor is someone that had a. I think he had an offer from like Lamar. Like it was in from Texas, you know. And they call him up to bring him to 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 um, Corvallis. So congrats. But to- we remember seeing his ass like two years ago. When it was behind um, Artavis Pierce and Jamar and Jefferson, Jefferson, and yeah. you're already, and you're still like, wait, who's that guy? That guy's good. Yeah, yeah, that guy's really good. And they've just had this, they've got a little bit of a pipeline going there. Like if, if I'm a running back, and I'm, you know, obviously there's there's going to be some guys who just want to go to like Oregon or USC or UCLA or whatever. But if you're looking to be in an offense that's going to scheme you some real yardage opportunities, and you've got some speed and ability, like. Why wouldn't you want to be in that offense? Yeah. Um, hey, I think I want to pull like a little audible here real quick. Sure. You know, Avery, that did not, thanks for the five-star review, Avery. You, know, you didn't win, but I think we should give you a $100 gift card as well. So if you want to write wow. in, yeah, because she predicted Oregon State would win this game. Not because of some kind of advanced stat. She just had a feeling, and they kind of made fun of her, and then she seemed a little drunk when they were doing the last show and she couldn't, she would say like Washington for Washington state or like she said the wrong schools a bunch of times. She's a struggle a little bit, but she nailed the pick. Are you cool with giving her one? Uh, fine. That right. sounds great. Well, our friends over there at, no the, truck at stops. the no truck stops pod. Yeah. Go listen. All right, Avery, you get that one for uh, picking this game. Right. Um, since our picks have been such hot garbage anyway. Okay. Uh, next up we have our number eight team, California golden bears. <laughs> And our number seven team, Washington Huskies. <laughs> yeah, uh, this was um, I, so it was competitive. I'll say that it was a game that went to overtime, thirty-one twenty-four. So you're like, that was a classic, right? It's a really good game. No. I I hated watching every minute of this game, <laughs> every single minute. Um, Cal might have been the better team. I, they probably were. Um, and they moved the ball pretty well. They moved the ball pretty well. Chase Garbers looked okay. He threw a couple picks. Not great. Um, Washington just stopped doing offense in the second half. They were just like, no, we got enough. We're done. Um, and that was a poor choice, probably. I think if you're looking at it strategically, if I was a coach, like if I was an offensive coordinator for a uh, FBS or Power 5 football program, I would probably say, Let's try to offense for all four quarters. Unless you're like 2018 Cal, let's try to offense the entire game. And it seemed like Washington said, no, 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 no. Let's try to offense for the first half. 
and then let's just defense in the second half. Yeah. And they didn't defense well enough. Um, and the end result was a tie game going into overtime, and then Washington eventually won. They probably shouldn't have won this game. They probably should have lost to Cal at home. Uh, and that's uh, that should be a depressing thought for, for Washington fans. It is. Uh, it was weird early on. Um, Washington went for like, they got an interception, I think, early. Went for it on like fourth and two. Like when you're picking these games, you're like, okay, all right, well, Cal's moving. Oh, wait, pick. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's fourth and two. Washington's not. Oh, no, they're going to go for it. Oh, crap, they picked it up. Oh, they're going to score a touchdown. Um, but then Cal kind of came back, and uh, they, there was a third and 15 yep. that they picked up. Like, that was pretty cool. Uh, they had, like, a fourth and short, ran a little bootleg, and threw a pass that wasn't even run. And they were like – it looked like they were really trying to offense there for a while. Uh, there was another fourth and goal from the one and another play-action pass. They were wide open. Then they they go to Justin Wilcox on the sideline. He's in crutches. Like, <laughs> I didn't know what happened to him. Like, he's limping around. <laughs> I was like, what the hell happened to him? I didn't even hear what happened to him. I'm not sure. But uh, did you hear anything that was going on? I think on? they were kind of weird and cagey about it on the broadcast. It was something like, yeah, he suffered an injury and just told us he was on crutches now. Uh, Cal, like, the problem is, like, you think there's there's elements of the Cal football program that can be good. But then they do stupid stuff like botch the snap on a field goal, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just botch the snap. And so now you're like, okay, so what's going on? You're like, just giving away points. And it always happens when I watch these games and you pick the other side and you're like, they're always like, they miss the extra point. They watch mm-hmm. a snap of the field. You're like, I, you're not going to cover now. Like this is the Well, case. no, what I was hoping for actually was that they would get to the second overtime scoreless and somehow uh, Washington would be able to go first again. Because if they went first in the second overtime and got the two, then I would have covered right. by half a point. If Cal then didn't score. Right. Well, I knew it was kind of going to work out that way. I was like overtime, I was like, oh, this. I, once I got the overtime, I'm like, I'm pretty good. In this one, but so I was, so I was at the USC game and I have this one on the iPad. I was watching pretty intently, um, but I would, I couldn't watch the whole thing. So when I'm looking over, if there was a change of possession, Cal was starting like at their own 20 and Washington was like at midfield. Like there were so many like. And it didn't help them that much. No, like, <laughs> it was like hidden yards. Like it just like Washington was always like there was a scale and like Washington was always like this advantage. The way that was going, like I, the fact that Washington did not cover this game, this was a weird freaking spread. Didn't make sense to me. Um, Cal, I think, outplayed them most of the time, but still just barely got the cover on this one. So that fumble on overtime for you know at the one yard line, it just seems like Cal can be snake bit. But you know they had five trips in the red zone, uh, four hundred fifty seven yards. You know five red zone trips. They were in the red zone five times. They scored 24 points, like, Not good. With, in, including overtime. Like, yeah. uh, Washington, 390 yards for Chase Garbers. Like, this was just like Cal, like, just tried to lose this game. Yeah. Washington's last five drives uh, four plays, eight yards punt, four plays, 12 yards fumble, five plays, 30 yards field goal, three plays, four yards punt, and three plays, eight yards punt. Mm. That's, a, that's a shitty offense. <laughs> well, they did offense the first half. They did, but then they stopped. And I'm just saying, if it were me, again, I would continue to. This isn't 2018 Cal, like you said. Right. This is offense the whole time. Right. Offense 100% of the time. Yeah. Anytime Cal offense in 2018 was a bad decision. A bad decision. Don't do it. <laughs> Let the defense. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, no one in the league this year has a good enough defense to just not offense. No. Uh, well, congrats to Washington on the win. Very weird game. Like like Dave said, just not super watchable. 
Uh, okay, we had our number six team was Utah. We already talked about them. Uh, our number five team, and Dave thought they might be, uh, should be a little higher. Stanford Cardinal. Lower. Actually, lower. lower. Sorry about yeah. that. And uh, they were taking on our number two team. UCLA Bruins. Yeah, so um, UCLA won 35-24 at Stanford. I got this one right. Ryan got it wrong. Um, and, Although uh, Stanford was covering and late they, in the they, game. They and... probably shouldn't have been. Um, so UCLA was up 21-7 at the half. Um, they were... I would say moving the ball really, really well on the ground. Dorian Thompson Robinson was a little bit sloppy um, early, um, and that was probably why this one wasn't blown wide open um, in the middle stages. But also, Stanford started to do like the weird Stanford crap that they seem to only do against UCLA. Like two guys caught balls where it's just like, what the hell was that? Right. Like some guy caught, like one of them caught it in like the corner of the end zone with just a UCLA receiver draped over him with the hand in the face, the whole thing. And another one was a deep downfield. Um, you know, towards the sideline, just their usual fade route. You know, RJ Arcega Whiteside was making yes, plays yes, out there. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, so that was you know uh, frustrating. Uh, maybe it brought up some you know bad memories that I'll need to speak about with my therapist. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Tanner McKee maybe looked a little bit like Kevin Hogan at times. It was fine. I enjoyed the game. Didn't enjoy it a bit. Uh, but anyway, for whatever God knows what reason, it was twenty-one all in the fourth quarter which was, um, I think, a scary time for UCLA people because, again, up to that point, you would have said, UCLA, they pretty much dominated this game, and yet it was still a uh, tie game at that point, basically because of two explosive plays by Stanford in the passing game. Otherwise, UCLA had completely shut down their offense, especially in the first quarter, like just completely, uh, I, I think they went, let me, let, me, let me just pull this up. I think they went like three or four drives without a first down. Uh, they went three plays, uh, negative five yards, three plays, seven yards, and then uh, three plays, two yards uh, on the first three drives. The stats were all screwed up for this game, too. Um, but anyway, it was that point in the fourth quarter. But then Dorian Thompson-Robinson actually started playing well in the fourth quarter, led um, the final drive to— He got banged up a little bit, too, he right? did. He did, he did get banged up a little bit. It seems unclear whether he uh, whether he banged up his left arm or his right arm. Um <laughs> But he led a uh, final drive. It was about a seven-minute drive um, down the field to score the go- the the final touchdown that put it up uh, eleven points and put it out of reach. Um, but I think he wasn't hurt. I think he just saw Jake Hayner the previous week. Go, man, when <laughs> that was cool when he hurt, did that. Yeah, it's like I should be hurt too, and that will be good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean UCLA won the game. They they probably again it was another game where they left some points out there. They probably should have won this one by more. Yeah, I got to watch this partially uh, on RJ's iPad at our tailgate. We had a little tailgate party for this. How was RJ great. doing with this game? Uh, yeah, he looked like he was, you know, about to have a child. Like it was like <laughs> he was like expecting mother kind of thing, or it was like the father out the, in the, you know, uh, like we we actually. It's funny we had a um, a masseuse come to the tailgate, so it was fun. So tailgate or concierge is a company that didn't. We're like, hey, we'll work with you guys. We did a tailgate. A whole bunch of people came. Trader Joe's provided food. But it's like a, a massage company. They came out and they gave people free massages there. And so there's a massage table like on there. So RJ, like, they, I think they had to go park the car, but they set up the table. RJ puts the iPad on top of the massage table, and the people are like watching it, like kind of stand, like, and and then they come back, and I'm like, and RJ's so into the game, like, hey RJ, you have like they're going to massage people on that table. You have to move. And I don't even think he got it when I told him the first time. He was really into this game. Uh, so when it was 21-17, he just didn't look super happy. 
Um, you know, there was some stuff going on. He told me, he's like, so I'm like, so are we back to the old David Shaw? He goes, oh yeah. He punted three times on fourth and one and Chip Kelly went for it like on fourth down in his own 28 or something like that. <laughs> so it was very like, so he goes from, you know, out of body experience where he took points off of the board against USC and like took a field goal off and went for it on fourth and three to like not going for it on uh, fourth and ones. And then I peek over and it's tied and I'm like, RJ, all right. And he's like, uh, UCLA was like, you know, fourth and goal of the one or whatever it was or something like that. They were about to score. So, um, but yeah, so I guess he punted six times on fourth and three or less. That's cool. Uh, that doesn't seem good in this world of, uh, you know, analytics where we know like you shouldn't be doing that. So, and there, well, I think was, part it, of the problem for Stanford is they, they really can't run the ball. Um, and so I think as much as I would complain usually about a coach being super conservative on fourth down, I kind of get it with what they have offensively. And it's, it's not the way Stanford was always designed to be super efficient. Um, they're only going to be able to do things explosively through the pass game. Um, and that's just not necessarily how you want to operate on fourth and short. They've gotten stuffed on fourth and short. Dude, Cal was doing it. Year. Cal was throwing on fourth and that fourth and, but and it got, was working, but they've got chase Carpers. Tanner McKee. Okay, here's the thing. So maybe you don't. Maybe you agree they can't run the ball, so don't go for it on fourth and short, where you're normally like, just you know, lynching people that weren't doing that. So say it's like the fourth quarter, uh-huh. and say the score is twenty-eight twenty-one. Uh-huh. Would you rather kick a field goal because then you're you know, you'd that, only be two so field goals down at that, that point. That was that was an insane choice to kick the field goal to go down twenty-eight twenty-four was insane. Yeah. at that point in the game. Um, he didn't want to cover, I think. That was... Exactly, exactly. Um, but he kicks that field goal. Um, that was crazy. And then he does this really bizarre thing where he calls two timeouts. He starts to drain, He starts to call the timeouts for the clock with like four and a half to go where UCLA is not yet at first and goal. So you're counting on stopping them after you haven't been able to stop them at all. Like you haven't been able to stop them on that drive at all. But you're counting on stopping them at that point where it's like, I think from the 25 to the 15 and it's just like what and so of course he doesn't get it and then he's just truly wasted two timeouts that he could have then used on the mm. following drive it was an insane choice uh absolutely gacked the game away or any chance at the game away with his bad decision making at the end yeah i guess he was trying to cover because he kicked the field goal so then he was covering he was covering at that point, at that point. yes um but but uh, yeah unfortunately you said he was gonna get the ball too and if you want to try to win the game which that's what we're assuming <laughs> <laughs> Try to get the touchdown because you're down seven. And, and it wasn't quarter. an unmakeable fourth down. I think it was like fourth and five or something. I mean, that's... It was just... I mean, Matt, at least he didn't punt. You know, like at least he, he kicked a field goal and didn't punt. Disastrous. Okay. Uh, well, that was our... Pac-12 Roundup. Since I didn't play that in the beginning. Yep. Um, good stuff. We gave away an extra gift card in there, which you didn't have to do. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and preview all our week five games. <laughs> Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. 
The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Okay, we're back. Did you have a good break? I did. I had to pee real quick. Um, oh, you just did it right there? Just I know I ran to the bathroom. Oh, I, right. I didn't see you. You were so oh, fast. I was very, like, yeah, like the flash. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a good break? What did you do while I was in there peeing? I took a piss. Okay. Too, just right here in my chair. <laughs> I hope you have a Gatorade bottle or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. David's complaining about the monitor. Like, oh, the, the, the monitor in my studio that you sit in and, and do all your stuff. Like, the, <laughs> not that you bring anything. You just, you know, that's cool. I have to sit here with a fucking USC helmet <laughs> with a tunnel vision background behind me. Yeah. Well, After I spent how much money uh, <laughs> helping to rent this place out and refurbish it? Right. Uh, soundproofing these walls. We could get Do the... you remember that day when we just soundproofed these walls together? Yes. Uh, we could get the one next door. There's another one if you want your studio there. We could set it up, you know, broadcast. Why Why should I get a studio when I've already spent half my money on this one? <laughs> All right, Dave. Well, we got some games. Uh, only five games. So we got a couple buys. Uh, so that's nice. Um, so this will be a little quicker. Let's see if we can get, get back on track. Uh, I've already... Already made my picks. I went. I was like, no analytics this time. I'm going gut. Like I'm, I'm screw with the analytics. I'm doing my gut. So I, my picks are in here. So I will let you know what they are. I can tell you before, or after, whatever you want. Uh, but our first game, it's a uh, 11 a.m. eleven a.m. game on the uh, the West Coast. We got USC Trojans going to Boulder to take on Colorado Buffalo. This is an 11 a.m. or on the Pac-12 network. USC traveling to Boulder take on Colorado. USC is two and two. Colorado is one and two. USC is a seven and a half point favorite. Um, I think USC is dog duty, but I think Colorado maybe has the worst offense um, in modern college football history. Um, tough one to pick. I will say that. But I'm going to have to go with USC here because I am firmly convinced that they can score points. I am in no way convinced that Colorado can. And USC, um, I mean, when was the last time they were held to, let's call it 10 points? Because that's what that would need to be for Colorado to cover this one. Uh, 28 in their loss to Stanford, 27 in their loss to Oregon State. Let's go back a few years. When when were they really bad, 2018 or 2019? 2018, yeah. 2018. What was their lowest score in that season? Uh, three against Stanford. Mm. Okay, fourteen against Cal, twenty-seven against UCLA, twenty-seven against Notre Dame. All right, so you're counting on USC being uh three points against Stanford. Bad. I can't do it. Give me USC. Yeah. Uh, this was when I picked it, it was seven. Now it's seven and a half. Makes me a little more like I don't like that as much. But I'm I'm taking USC as well. Um, you know, maybe this is where Colorado. You know, can they, they can run the ball sometimes. Uh, USC had a hard time stopping the run, for sure. Sure, sure, sure. sure. But USC is not going to get you consistent scoring drives, but they're going to like throw it to Drake London, and he's going to make some big plays. They're going to score 21, 24 points somehow. I just don't see Colorado being able to score more 
than they did last week. Like last week seemed like an explosion at what thirteen. Yeah. Um. So this one. Yeah, I just don't think uh, I just don't think that's going to happen. So, but I got I got to tell my team uh, it's seven point five and not seven because we do our picks against the spread. My Achille, you're four and zero picking against picking USC. Damn, crazy. Um, we should get her on the podcast and get her to do some stuff. Uh, okay, our next game we have Oregon Ducks on the road taking on Stanford Cardinal. Uh, this is 1230 on ABC, number three, Oregon, uh, going on the road to Stanford. Oregon's only an eight-point favorite. This one's bizarre to me because I still think Stanford's bad, right? Yeah. And watching them last week, I was once again convinced Stanford's bad. However, they were tied with UCLA in the fourth quarter right. for no apparent reason, none whatsoever. <laughs> but that just seems to happen more often with Stanford than anyone else. Yeah. Like, they just play these weird, close games. Um, and when it gets weird, that's David Shaw's time. His time to fuck up, but it's his time. Yes. His time is playing weird close games. Mario Cristobal, I'm still not confident in his ability to manage close games. I'm going Stanford here, and Whoa. I don't know why. I'm going Stanford. I love it. Plus uh, eight, baby. Plus eight. I'm going to take the Ducks. Um, I mean, Stanford didn't, you know, couldn't cover, like, against UCLA. I think Oregon's better. Um, you say still won by what eleven or something, right? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I and I feel like Oregon had their clunker last week, and this is more of like a team that's beat them and mm-hmm. like they've had trouble with. I kind of feel like they're gonna put it together, and we're gonna see the butt Stanford that we can see sometimes. So. Yeah, I, 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 again, I want to be clear. I think Stanford's bad. Like, I think they're really bad. <laughs> I just know that they're great they, at running the football. They can no, they can always do weird, crappy things in these games. They can make. I mean, they got some playmakers. I mean, like you can, that you know, Kelly, the quarterback, can make like if he <laughs> picks off three passes or something. Like, but outside of that, like you know, Tanner McKee can have some success. Look, every every instinct in my body is telling me that Oregon's going to win this by like four touchdowns. However, I'm taking Stanford. So that makes eight. me want to switch to go against every instinct in your body. Because yeah, either, they're either not, our instincts have they're not, not been good. They're not good instincts. They've not been good. So uh, we got different in this one. So uh, I'm taking the Ducks. Dave is taking Stanford. All right. Next up, we have Washington State Cougars. Go to Berkeley to take on California Golden Bears. All right, 2.30 on the Pac-12 Network, Washington State traveling to Berkeley, the second part of their road trip. Uh, Cal's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, they're both one and three. Cal's, to my eye, a much better one and three than Washington State is. Um, I think they have, they should have beaten Washington last week on the road. They now get to go home. They might be a little bit pissed off after that game. You know, There could be some good soft factors in their favor. Washington State... I think they could be demoralized after losing that Utah game, um, potentially even more, you know, coming on the heels as it did of uh, the absolute beatdown from USC, a USC team that has turned out to be uh, pretty shitty in its own right. So give me Cal, uh, minus seven and a half. Um, I think, uh, you know, they've shown me a little bit more than Washington State. I don't really have a good feel for um, Washington State beyond the fact that I think they're bad, but I don't think they match up very well against Cal. Yeah, I think I forget which week it was, but there was a week where he just like, oh my god, this is such a cow pick, and they, it didn't work. Like it was not uh, right. It didn't work in our favor. I forget which game it was, but um, 
Yeah, this is uh, no. I'm taking Cal. Uh, I feel like Washington State is really bad. Cal's record is similar, but uh, this is another. You know, three three spreads in a row. They're like just over a touchdown. Um, but I feel like Cal, if they can finish off some of those drives, because they they move the ball, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think when they move the ball against Washington, decent defense at least. Like Washington State. I don't think has a decent defense. So I, I the line doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I, I have no position to say anything because we've been so terrible at the picks. But I, I like Cal on this one as well. Sure. So let's both go with Cal. All right. Speaking of Washington. Washington Huskies. <laughs> I'm really curious your thoughts on this one because this seems really clear cut to me too. But uh, they're going to go on the road to take on Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> 6 p.m. game on the Pac-12 Network, Washington, traveling to Oregon State. The line says Oregon State two point, minus 2.5. I think that must be a misprint because it should be Oregon State minus 25. Uh, this, is there a decimal point in the I, I, am, I am shocked <laughs> that this isn't at least Oregon State minus 6, minus 7. Yeah. Uh, clearly a better team, first. Just off, just just straight up, they're better. And second, like given what they've just done like the last couple of weeks, um, Oregon State is uh so what okay just look at what washington just did they allowed cal to run the ball on them like a lot whole shitload oregon 390 State, yards to chase carvers oregon state's better at that they're, they're better running the ball i don't care what the actual stats say it, it's just pretty apparent watching the two teams uh i think oregon state wins this by at least 10 yeah um so no question in my mind i'm taking oregon state it's in corvallis too how is yeah. that only a two and a half point game I, Anytime we say this, by the way, oh the God. other team wins by like forty. It's so weird because it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Um, and I I feel like whenever I've like and the, and the one it's in Corvallis. Whenever I say that, that's where you get screwed. Like oh, and and it's in Corvallis. Like no. Um, and but usually to be fair, that's like covering a big spread against a bad team, and they don't. But they'll probably win the game or whatever. This is like basically you just got to win the game. And I just don't see – I mean, this is Jonathan Smith's old team. He's clearly got a better offense than what Washington is running. Um, you know, they, they've they run the ball extremely effectively. And they've put up 45, 42, 45, I think, the last three weeks. Now, yeah, there was some bad competition, but there was USC on the road. Um, now, just like you said, did they blow their wad in that USC game? And they're overlooking, not that they're overlooked Washington, but they really put a lot into that. Obviously, I mean, that they were prepared for that one. So a lot of prep went into that one. That wasn't just one week of prep. No. So maybe this is one week of prep minus a little bit for a hangover. So maybe Washington keeps it closer. But I, it's still, it's under a field goal. Like, I, I mean, straight up, yeah. I'm, I'm just taking Oregon State. I don't know what else you would do. Totally. Okay. A last one on... The docket. Arizona State Sun Devils. They're going to head to the Rose Bowl. Take on UCLA Bruins. So this one's interesting for me. So it's 7.30 on Fox Sports 1. ASU traveling to the Rose Bowl. Take on number 20 UCLA. Both teams are 3-1. and UCLA is a three-point favorite. Um, because Arizona State, I still don't feel like um, anybody has a great feel for them because they've played three absolute shit teams in Colorado, Southern Utah, and um, UNLV. Um, and their one loss is to BYU, basically the only good team they've played. Yeah. Um, that said, they blew out those three teams, and they only lost by 10 to BYU. 
um, in kind of a weird game where they outstatted them in a lot of ways, but just had some untimely things happen. So I just don't have a good feel for them. I think they're still good-ish. I don't know if they're very good. I don't know if they're average. Um, I think they're somewhere in that spectrum, but it's it's easier to narrow down some other teams in the league. It's harder to do so with ASU. So I went to the ASU message boards to see what they think about oh, this game. Oh, that's, that's the way to pick games. Well, I wanted to get a feel for the people who've like really, really like lived and died with every snap. And almost universally, they're like, I can't believe it's only three points. UCLA should be favored by like a touchdown. Wow. Is it three or three and a half? Three, three and a half. It depends on the... Okay. Here it's saying three. Three. Okay. So, so we're, we're going to go three. with three. Okay. Um, And so that almost tipped me. Like, I'm like, okay. I, I don't always believe in like the knowledge of the masses, but okay. And then I'm looking at the matchups and I think it's, you know, from a statistical standpoint, it's pretty even. I mean, ASU probably is a little bit more balanced offense and defense. Like they've got a decent offense and a decent defense. UCLA has got a very good offense and a average to above average defense. Um, they've handled Jaden Daniels well in this matchup the last couple of years, um, especially his ability to run the ball. So all of that said, I'm going to take UCLA minus three. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if this one ends up being super, super close and uh, that ends up being a push or even a loss. Yeah, this is probably the first one I don't feel super strongly about. Um, I did look at the analytics a little bit. Now, UCLA more of like a six-point favorite, which kind of goes along yeah. line with your message board. people. So if you did like who wants to be a millionaire, you wouldn't want to pull the audience. You don't like the, the masses, what they're saying. No, I do. You would pull I, the audience and do the opposite. No, I like, like, I, like, I like listening to the masses. Um, I think there's, there's, there's knowledge in, in the uh, masses, but <laughs> message boards are different thing that's very different uh but yeah I, I i just think i'm waiting for the other shoe to drop with arizona state as well uh, i still think they're they're you know, i mean they, to beat bad teams by a lot i mean that's good uh i just think ucla is going to be better and if it was like a I, i'm not wouldn't be confident about either one of these teams covering like a bigger spread but this is essentially a coin flip you know like if if ucla wins by two and we don't cover whatever but I, i'm assuming ucla is going to win Four to seven points, something like that, and uh, so I just yeah. If it was if it was more like six, then I think it would have to seriously consider because I know Arizona State. There's you know real probability Arizona Arizona State wins, but this one's more of like just who do you think is going to win the game? So I'm gonna I think it's going to be UCLA. Yeah, that's probably where I am too. But I, I would say people who are like looking at this game, ASU right now is the number nine team in Bill Connolly's SP plus. UCLA is number ten. Um, so it is a very very uh statistically evenly matched game yeah that but like early on it's hard like is arizona state really the number nine team you who know? knows I, I you really can't tell from what they've done they've dominated three opponents um and lost what was going was what was a very close 50 50 type game to byu all right okay so let's uh that's all our games hopefully we do better on our picks this week hopefully i do just a little better than you did we uh what did we do did we differ we differed on one? Only one. Okay, so we, we, the last like two and weeks. And the one where I am like basically taking a flyer on Stanford because there's no reason to take them plus eight, except yeah. that I'm a crazy person. We should get like, we'll make up like an intern, like get a little stuffed animal here. And that, that person picks the opposite of everyone we pick, we agree on, and then coin flip if we disagree and then see how our or stuff don't Or just don't pick when there's a disagreement. <laughs> oh, Only yeah. pick the games where we have full agreement on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've tied the last two weeks and both been under 500, and I beat you by one the previous week. So it's been uh, 
Not not a lot of movement. We'll get one game movement this week, one way or the other. Let's just get to 500 again. Okay. We got to try to do that. Yeah. Like, yeah, overall, it's like, it's almost like I'm rooting for you now. Like, we need to both be better, not just you. Uh, okay. Let's get into some questions. Uh, I got a voicemail. You want to start with that? I'd love to start with a voicemail. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Um, just had a few questions for Ryan. Um, you know, with Clay Helton getting fired midseason, it kind of reminded me, or it took me back to when Wayne Kiffin was fired midseason. And I was wondering um, which of those two firings, in terms of their timing, surprised you more, if either of them surprised you and they happened. And then I was also wondering um, what the UFC fan base is really rooting for or hoping for with Dante Williams as coach, because um, the team seems still talented enough to win the division and win the conference. But I was wondering if a lot of fans are hoping that he just does okay so that USC doesn't keep an interim coach and actually goes out and goes after Fickle or someone. Just wondering what the fan base's attitude was on that. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, Perk. I would say um, the the Helton one was more surprising timing-wise. Like the Kiffin stuff, he should have been fired the year before. Just I mean, just like Helton. Um and but the surprising part was obviously the tarmac and Kiffin was like asked about like something about the tarmac this week and he's making jokes about it. he's using it to his you know advantage he's he's completely trolling everyone taking advantage of that I would say the timing though just two games in um, that was a weird one you know where you know you 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 win a game you lose a game and then Helton's out I would say the timing there was a little weirder and I think Perk sent this in before USC got curb stomped by Oregon State so I don't think there's any if he wins out, I don't think USC fans expect him to be the interim. But that was a worry for sure. Like, you know, there's 10 games left or whatever. Nine games well, what if he wins out? Like, he's not going to win out. I didn't expect him to just get blown out in the next game. But, uh, yeah, that's that's not going to be an issue. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. No. Where did we leave off questions? Uh, I think we got the soundboard broken uh, from Evan. It says, guys, Pac-12 is utter trash. Multiple teams losing to FCS schools at home. Teams getting shut out. And head coaches getting fired to name just a few embarrassments. If only there was a soundbite that accurately described the level of play we're seeing out there so far. You know, something not quite horrible, not quite atrocious. They were herocious. So I, have, I should be using that button more liberally. Yeah. How have we not been using that this year? Well, we. like. Well, we, yeah. yeah. We. We're a collective. All right, here's you are an extension of myself. So our picks are... They were herocious. Uh, Colorado's offense. They were herocious. USC generally. They were herocious. Um, Stanford's decision-making outside of the USC game. They were herocious. Love it. Uh, Washington John State. Donovan. <laughs> they were herocious. Washington State's stance on the vaccine. They were herocious. <laughs> Uh, Arizona. <laughs> they were herocious. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, just Arizona in general. Uh, he said, anyway, I feel like I had to watch my team score no points last week with negative rushing yards. I'd at least get to hear one of my favorite sound bites on the pod to give me a laugh. Maybe when you recap the buffs next week after losing 42 to 10, could you use it, please? Thanks, Evan. He was actually pretty close, 35 to 13. <laughs> I'm sorry, Evan. I can't believe he predicted they would score 10 points. I know. And he undershot. Yeah. Amazing. All right. This is from uh, Trevor in Utah. BYU wins the South. Hey, guys. I think we can all agree that BYU is the dominant team in the South this year and makes a case for being number two in the power rankings. Do you think they can knock off Oregon in the conference championship and ruffle the playoff hopes for the Ducks? 
Thanks for all you don't really do. Go Ducks. <sighs> Trevor. Yeah, that's sort of like the joke that keeps going, but it's it's true. The fact that BYU gets to play five Pac-12 teams and is 3-0 and is still pretty impressive. Yeah. And it looked like, okay, USC could get them in the end. Like, no, no. no BYU looks no. better. USC's going to get smoked by <laughs> BYU. And what's great is that it builds a case. If BYU can emerge unscathed over whatever the next seven weeks, it builds a case for them getting the playoff spot yeah. over, say, a one-loss Pac-12 team. <laughs> How cool. Like, uh, yeah, like if Oregon, if Oregon Oregon loses a game and wins the Pac-12, and BYU goes five and zero in conference. You're like, they're five and zero in the conference, and Oregon lost the game. Like, you know, right? No, you're actually gonna have some head to head meaningful like comparisons. And it's funny, BYU is one of those teams that didn't have a lot of like the super seniors. They actually lost a lot of players compared to other teams, but they sort of have the super senior thing built in anyway with all of the the missions and stuff. So they have an older squad anyway. But yeah, that's a weird one. Like Kalani Sataki's done a great job. Like someone's, yeah, I think Bruce Feldman mentioned him for the USC job. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if he w- would leave. Could he go over to Utah? Like if Kyle Whittingham retires at some point, would he move over? Like we might see Kalani Sataki a lot more in the Pac 12 at some point. Yeah, agreed. Uh, let's go to a podcast, podcast question from Junior in WeHo. That's West Hollywood for you non Southern California people. Do you guys think the Pac 12 officiating has gotten better, worse? Or stayed the same so far this year? Or is it too early to know? Thanks, Junior and West Hollywood. Go Bruins, he says. Uh, John Wilner had a column about this, I think, today or yesterday. I didn't read it yet, but he said it's better. I disagree. Uh, I think it's the same dog shit. I think uh, it's... I I don't see any meaningful positive difference, really. Um, I think they're calling way too many penalties. And I think what I've seen from what they've called, uh, it's the same egregious nonsense where they pick a point of emphasis and decide to call it like four times, like in the first half for no no rhythm yeah. of the game reason. Um, but no, I mean, I, I watched a lot of Pac-12 games and I'm not, I'm not seeing it. Um, I think it's been the same crap. And frankly, in the non-conference games they called, I thought they were egregiously bad um, and just shockingly so. Like I, I went back and looked through my Twitter and I'm like, I'm citing Pac-12 refs like every weekend for some thing that you just don't see in other football games. So I don't agree. I think it's I think it's the same crap that it's always been. I think so. There's there've been some games where you're like, oh, that you know, five and six penalties, like which hasn't been. So I think there's some games where we're seeing more of a normal, um, you know, normal aspect of it. I think my uh, my little speaking box over there just said something, but. So we just had a little uh, incident in the office at the stop the recording. Yeah, I can't believe they came running in here. That was crazy. Uh, no, dude, I don't know why I have an Alexa in the office, but it's like tied to my house. So sometimes you're recording a podcast and like a package gets delivered and they're like, your package is here or some crap like that. And I'm like, why don't I just unplug that? So I did. So I never use it. Do you use any of those things? No. God, no. Yeah. They, they're like listening to you all the time. and I just it's solving a problem that doesn't exist. I have them in my house. I, I kind of like turning the TV off with like telling the Alexa thing, Hey, turn off the TV and it does that or turn off the light. But what the, f- like what happened to our thumbs? Like who cares? <laughs> Why would you spend any money on that? I don't know. Like not to sound like a 75 year old man, but like, you kind of sound like, what that. is the point? Like it- you're saving yourself nothing. Like what is the, is the goal just to do everything with your voice? So you don't even have to move. Like your thumbs? I'm not big into voice texting. Like people do that a lot. Like, do you do that much? Yeah, it's also crazy. Why would you do that? I don't do that either. And then you have to sit there correcting it? Why? Yeah, I don't like that one. 
But like, you can play music. Like I tell. Yeah, tell you it. know another way to play music. <laughs> Use your thumb. Put, do you take the record player and put the needle no, on the record? No, just put this thing, jam it into something, and you use your thumb. Dave's very excited. No, I, like we have opposable thumbs for a reason. They're the things that make us manipulate tools, and now we've created tools that monkeys can use. Mm. We're, we're diminishing our advantage here, Ryan. That's my point. Well, the monkeys can't tell Alexa to like play Spotify, Yacht Rock, or something, but but I can. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're. I'm sure anyway. a dog barking wouldn't turn on Alexa. That, uh, uh, that anyway, it will. So we had to shut it off. So there's a little tangent. We normally we don't go on tangents. No, here. no, we keep it just rail like right on the the train tracks yes. the entire way. Uh, but not this time. Um, is it you this time or is it me? Did, did we answer the question? I don't even know what happened. <laughs> it's about officiating. Oh, we were talking about the officiating. Okay, yeah. All right. Um, this is from somebody. Enjoyed seeing the week four picks listed on the website. It made me curious to listen to the podcast for more info. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, are they making fun of our picks? I don't know. Maybe it's just our like jaded thing that we're just assuming that was a joke. Um, but who knows? Maybe they like the pick. I I do like to put them. I'm going to read this next one too. Okay. This is from Carl Durrell, or this is from Bobby about Carl Durrell. Situation: Down 25, ball in the red zone, fourth and five. Five minutes left in the game. Carl Durrell kicks a fucking field goal. <laughs> he murdered my under, and now I hate him. Thanks for the venting sesh. Yeah. That was an insane thing we didn't talk about. He kicked a field goal. They were down 35 to 10, and he kicks a field goal. Well, I mean, to be fair, they haven't scored a lot of points. They did go eight straight games without a point. It was eight so, quarters uh, somebody point. was justifying it because their kicker has been put in a lot of bad spots. So giving him like an easy one to make. Uh, but just, I mean, that's just laying down like a dog. That is. Uh, okay. This is speaking of your non paragraphs. Uh, this is a long sentence. Uh, never going to give you up. This is from Joshua. As much as I want a, a USC to keep Dante Williams, I guess a good butt kicking by the Beavs will put that to rest. However, USC has only lost the North team. So their path to winning the South is wide open. So who knows? I put a lot of thought into who USC should hire. And there is only one obvious choice. Ryan, how would you feel? about getting a coach who currently has the nation's best offense, a defense that is more than twice as good this year as it was last year, and currently coaching the Heisman favorite. He also leads the nation in social media engagement for head coaches, which immediately makes USC relevant again. He's known as a great recruiter and puts out, in my opinion, the most entertaining product every Saturday. And as far as I can tell, I can't see any reason why he wouldn't at least consider taking the job. I think the best choice for USC is Lane Kiffin. So here's here's the thing I would say is if he had never been the USC head coach, like if that whole that period of time one. had not happened, he would be the number one option. Uh, he, he would be on a lot of lists. He, I think he would be the number one pick, obviously. Like if he'd still had the experience as the offensive coordinator at USC, like he still had a USC tie, right. but he had never gotten the head job before. Didn't get tarmacked. He would be number one. And I think there's no question he would be the main target because, I mean, look at what he's doing at Ole Miss. Look at what he did at, what was it, Central Florida? FAU. FAU. Um, He's actually, I I would say, not completely, but he's matured as a coach, um, potentially as a human being. Um, I, I think it would be obvious if he hadn't had such an ignominious run as the USC head coach. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to like. Is he going to be on? That. Here's the thing: 
Is he going to be on the list if they miss on their first few? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to, yeah. I think they, I think the athletic department has to cut ties from all the old stuff. So I, I but you could argue that he should be, uh, especially if he goes out and beats Alabama this weekend. Uh, but I wouldn't think so. I also forgot uh, Matthew sent us an email about the picks, uh, the survivor pool. Both Dave and I are out. There was 200 originally 281 original picks and 31 entered week four, 24 still alive. So somebody forgot to pick. You got all this way. You forget to pick. Uh, sorry about that. But six people took USC um, and they lost, obviously, to Oregon State. So 24 people are still alive. This is the second time that only six or fewer people were eliminated for wrong picks. Both times USC got crushed at home, Matthew says. Any coincidence? Um, he says, by the way. The FS1 broadcast kept on saying this was Oregon State's first win in the Coliseum in 61 years, which was re repeated on other platforms. That is in incorrect. In 1971, Oregon State beat UCLA at the Coliseum 34-17. This is not a technicality as UCLA played their home games in the Coliseum through 81. So Oregon State did get a Coliseum win, but it was against UCLA, not USC. Okay. But thank enough. you, Matthew, for that one. Love it. Uh, this is from DC in LA. What is with USC's fight song? Hey guys, love the show, and I'm anxiously awaiting my jockey apparel, which I ordered with the gift card you graciously awarded me for my five-star review. I used the $100 gift card to buy two shorts, two sports shirts, and some socks. Jockey, the official sponsor of the Pac-12. Back to my question. I really, really try to root for USC. Even as a Bruin, I realize that USC needs to be good in order for the Pac-12 to rise. However, my butt clenches every time the USC band plays their fight song, especially after their team performs poorly. They played it when they gained, when they gained two yards. They play it when they gained, when their defense stopped Oregon State to only eight yards. What's the deal with their band? Do they not understand how football is played? Do they purposely play the song to annoy opposing sports fans, or does USC hate fans hate it too? <laughs> Regards, DC and LA. There's actually controversy going on with the band because they play it too much. No, because now they're playing it less. Oh, you guys just like to hear that this. Is the only song we know. So there's it's boring and it's slow. So that isn't the fight song. We really think you blow. So the fight song is after a first down. Uh -huh. um, so that's fight on. So that's the first song. But the tribute to Troy is the one that sounds like. Um, it's like maudlin. Like it sounds like a funeral dirge. That's after usually some sort of defensive stop, but it could be like an eight yard gain on first down. Like it's a, basically a non first down uh -huh. for the opposing offenses, but. They now have a DJ at the games, and it actually has got the student section excited. But they're playing like there's sort of like now some give and take of when the DJs plays and when the band plays. Which I remember going to like an Arizona State game, like in the Jake Plummer days, and only you know mostly being the USC games where the band played all the time. That was more like a professional thing. Like they had a lot of music pumped in and stuff, like in the late '90s or whatever. And now like. USC sort of doing a little bit more of that, which I like the traditional stuff. I just want the bands to play. You like, just want the band to play the same two things over and over. They could do over that and over. Yeah, and over. so there's a controversy. Yeah, but like St David Shaw like plays tribute to Troy during their practices. Like it's it's something that you've yeah the fan like USC fans love it and they know that opposing fans hate it and the band loves the that opposing fans hate it. That makes them want to do it more. So. If people were indifferent, they probably wouldn't do it as much. But they they know everyone hates it, so that's why they do it more. Yeah, but it's fun to do stuff that everyone hates when you're good. But when you're bad, it's just embarrassing. Well, they don't care. Like good, bad, indifferent, they do the same stuff. So, so there's Stanford but, band. Uh, no, they they change. Like that's 
Because, yeah, that Stanford band's different all the time. Sometimes they can't even cope. Like, no, 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 but I mean, just doing, to go doing things deliberately to annoy people, even if it annoys yourself, too, while you're doing it. Uh, no, I think there's more of an arrogance when USC does it. Like, this is great, and we'll do it. Well, if, yeah, if oh, yeah, I think, I, think you hit the na- I think you hit the nail on the head, but with a wide variety of things, I think there is some more <laughs> arrogance when USC does it, and that can be anything. Um right. Just with this, with this thing, the goal. Stanford's like the goal is to, the same. Just the methodology is different. Stanford doesn't think what they're doing is cool. They they're doing it to annoy you. Like, oh, sure. So they are right or wrong. They, USC's they, doing they, it because they think yeah, they're cool. Right, right. Stanford, and it also annoys. Stanford correctly understands their situation. <laughs> USC is uh, deluded about their situation. But again, the function of what they're doing is the same. I would say similar. Yeah. Yeah, they're just no. doing it to annoy people. Uh, no, it's a. It would be a byproduct. Like they're, that's a byproduct of what they're doing. So what's the primary purpose? Because they think it's great. Oh, okay, okay. So like Stanford doesn't think that's great. I think Stanford thinks it's great. I think they oh, think that, it's yeah, really for, funny. I guess for different reasons. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's a lot of band talk. But there is controversy. Like you're hearing more DJ stuff, and so they're going back and forth with the band. I don't know what's going on. Uh, okay, thanks for that one. Oh boy, this is Zen and the Art of Pac-12 Football. Uh, approximately 1,500 words. It's a Pac-12 <laughs> pilgrim. Noble Ryan and then Dave is, is crossed out. Syphilis? Sisyphus. Sisyphus. He's the guy who rolls the rock up the hill. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sisyphus with the uh, just over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I like you, sis- Syphilis. That's yeah, better. that's really good, too. <laughs> I write to you from a monastery atop uh, a Nepalese peak. That's from Nepal. Nepalese? Nepalese. Is it, Nepalese. Is that Nepalese. how you pronounce yes. that? Yes. For Nepal, it's Nepalese. Nepalese. I don't think I've ever even heard that. Neither have I. I just have a good feel for these things. So that could not be true. That might not be true. But I say it with confidence, and that's the most <laughs> I love important that. thing. Uh, let's see. Okay. Upon the completion of my last email, which I signed, signed under my previous mortal name of Ghost of Bruins Pass, I decided to leave uh, this vow of tears. Veil. What did I say? Vow of tears. Veil of tears. And dedicate myself to the path of enlightenment. I renounced fandom, failed a con academy course on how to write shorter emails, and then departed for the Himalayas. Imagine my surprise, however, when I arrived to find that the monastery was already populated by former Pac-12 football fans, UCLA, Washington State, Oregon State, Arizona fans, all fearsome, wise, and holy, all devoted to rigorous, uh, what the hell is that? Asceticism. Asceticism. Dude, you'd read this one. I'm not going to fucking do it. <laughs> Rigorous asceticism, <laughs> good deeds, and the endless contemplation of that most impenetrable of mysteries, John Donovan's continued employment. In my journey, I encountered three wise masters who posed, <laughs> who posed Cohen's paradoxical riddles to test my spiritual progress. I answered the first two correctly, but the third has me puzzled. So I connected to the monastery Wi-Fi in order to beseech you, Ryan and Dave, for your counsel. First, Cohen. I began my ascent up the mountain where I encountered a man meditating near a tree. Wise master, I began, I seek enlightenment. He lowered his hood and I saw that he was Larry Scott. He said, if you truly seek enlightenment, consider this. If a Stanford tree falls in the middle of the Pac-12 network, does it make a sound? I answered, because of the unrelenting terribleness of the Pac-12, restricting games to a network that no one watches means that the conference's reputation will be protected. He nodded serenely and then bade me continue my ascent. Second Cohen. I stopped a second time to refill my flask with mountain spring water. When I looked into the pool, I saw the reflection of the second master, Carl Durrell. Wise master, I began. I seek enlightenment. Durrell lowered his gaze and folded his hands. If you truly seek enlightenment, consider this. A good offense scores points. 
A great offense scores nothing. I answered, life is brief and ephemeral. What is more important, to attach meaning and personal self-worth to the performance of teenage athletes or to demonstrate that everything is fleeting, a rarity of vanities, uh, uh, sorry, uh, a vanity of vanities uh, chasing after the wind? Uh, Darrell sagely nodded and said, our existence is but a beef cr- brief crack of light between two eternities of darkness. My offense reveals this truth to those who wish to forget it. Third koan. I came close to the top of the mountain where I was given the third koan. Th- there I saw Dan Guerrero meditating. Wise master, I began. I seek enlightenment. He did not open his eyes. He did not even open his mouth. And yet I heard his voice. If you truly seek enlightenment, consider this. Clay Helton is a top five UCLA coach. <laughs> I came away puzzled by this koan, and I need your help to understand it. My first thought was that Helton is a top-five UCLA coach because he depressed the success of USC for several years, but this was too simple. Then the dreaded thought arose. What if Clay Helton's exact career unfolded, but instead of as the USC coach, he was the UCLA coach? What if he did everything he did exactly the same, but in the blue and gold? Would he be top-five in Bruin history? I shuddered at this terrible notion, but the gnawing horror was inescapable. There's Red Sanders, Tommy Prothrow, and Terry Donahue. After that, help me, Ryan and Dave. My situation, my salvation is at stake. <laughs> Sincerely, Pac-12 Pilgrim. I think he's right, and I think that's disgusting, and I want to walk away from this right now. That's pretty funny. Uh, nice one, Chris. Holy crap. It got better. But there's a lot of words. A lot of words. A lot of words. There was some tongue-tying. Yes. And... <laughs> but that was good. Uh, I so think he's he, right. Is he a top five? I, I think he'd be top five all time. <laughs> He won a Rose Bowl. <laughs> that might be like top two all time. <laughs> Shut up. Shut your whorish mouth. Uh, no, but I think he's, uh, I think he's, uh, I think that's top five. I think Clay Elton's top five UCLA coach all time. Hey, if Chip Kelly retires or something, Clay's looking for a job. Oh, God. He knows, he knows this city well. Do you think, uh, Martin Jarmont, do you think he would, uh, stop it? Consider it. Stop it. I don't like it. How funny would that be? I think it'd be great. Oh yeah, maybe. If Carl Durrell goes on a run, he could come back to UCLA, maybe too. Like that would be good. Uh, all right, three questions for the new commish. This is Alex and Arcadia. Each of you have three questions for the new commish. What are they? And they can't be the same question. Keep up the bad work, boys. Uh, thanks from Alex. So we have to have three questions for the commissioner. Uh, hmm. When are you going to fix the officiating? Okay, I like that. Oh, wait, do we each have to have one? Okay, so we each have the three. I'll I'll, I'll go next. Um, what can you do to fix or help fix distribution for the Pac-12 network before the 2024 uh, contract is over? Where do you stand on 9 a.m. games? Where do you stand on three 7.30 p.m. games at the same time? How are you? <laughs> uh, do you still want this job after the first four <laughs> weeks of Pac-12 football? Thanks for listening. <laughs> nice. All right. Thanks, Alex. Uh, this is from uh, Hitlade. Proverbs 2523. You, you going to look that up? up? Yeah, I'll look it up. All right. Your colleague Chris Cartman is alleging on Sun Devil Source that Oregon hosted recruits during the COVID shutdown, as ASU is alleged to have done. Here's the full post. 
Probably Oregon. What's crazy is that I strongly believe Oregon interacted with recruits in Eugene during COVID, including some guys that it was battling ASU on. It's not enough that I can report it as having definitely taken place, but enough people have told me about it that I do believe it to be quite likely. But if nobody with first-hand knowledge turns it into a compliance or the NCAA with any evidence, nothing is going to come of it. This is the first I'm hearing of any such allegations about Oregon, but I don't have behind-the-scenes access as you boys do. Have you heard anything about this regarding Oregon or any other Pac-12 school? I'm also confused as to why Cartman hasn't reported it as an article, but does feel confident enough to make a forum post. What are 24-7's journalism standards here? Uh, I mean, I haven't heard anything about the Oregon stuff, and I, I didn't see Chris's tweet, so I, I don't know. Um, this is something where it's, you know, these are independently run sites. And if there's someone that have come out and said, and this is like a message board post, this isn't like a tweet or something. Um, you know, we've seen in the past where people have like said things, no, it wasn't with 24 seven or, but it was uh, like the old network I was at. Uh, one of the reporters said that Clay Helton was fired, you know, and he wasn't. And it like, actually, I, I think he was at sports illustrated at the time. Um, and that caused a big stir. And then so something like that, I think, even though he was like an independent worker, part of SI, you know, SI came down and, you know, and made moves there. So something like this, I don't know, like if it's just sort of like insinuating accusations that something could have be happening somewhere else. If he came out and said, Oregon, you know, whatever, like here's you know, like something that was completely false, maybe, but I don't, I mean... I don't know. I, yeah. I really don't. I've just read. I've even read this before, so I'm not really sure what's going on here. I, I wouldn't say it's like a 24 seven journalistic standards thing, just because Hithley doesn't like it. Yeah, I don't. Well, and also I don't know that there's. Um, it's not like a newsroom where there are um, like guidelines and like specific rules about like, and even those don't really exist anymore in a lot of these newsrooms, like where you have to have two or three sources and all that kind of stuff for different information. So. First, a lot of those rules don't exist in actual newsrooms anymore, and 24-7 sports and all these sites, they're not really, that's not how they function. Um, They're independent businesses, basically, each individual one of these, um, or at least it's independent contractors working, um, what would you call it, loosely for the network? Well, working for the network, but not necessarily in like a completely oversight way. Um, So anyway, that's a long story. Um, So I I, I don't think they're what what's posted on a message board is not really beholden to any significant journalistic standards. Ideally you wouldn't be posting things that aren't true. Um, but yeah. So end result, Hithliday, uh, I don't know. I mean, if I'm doing it, I would be, you know, occasionally willing to toss out some red meat gossip on a message board post. What the hell? Why not? It's only fun. We only live once. But posting it on the front page, yeah, that's easily shared across the network. Um, if you tag it wrong, it might automatically be shared across the network. Um, so you would want to be more confident in that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, we're not being, uh, let's not be purposely obtuse. Uh, the, the premium message board is not um, publishing it far and wide. That's publishing it to the diehards that are following you. And apparently Hitler Day Almond, who's uh, trolling the opposing team message boards. Yeah, uh, and this and this is a post that's like a reply to another post. I haven't gone through the whole thread, so I'm not sure what the even the original question was. Yeah, Hitler just kind of pulled this one out, and I would say a lot of times we, I, if you you hear stuff a lot, and 
if you're trying to break the story, like you better be sure and you got to check multiple sources and stuff. But sometimes you hear things you're like, yeah, but that's not going to come out or we're never going to get enough people on the record to say that that's the case. I don't necessarily say on the board like, hey, I got this, but I don't have enough to say it sometimes. So like, yeah, like we all might hear rumors like say, for example, why was Stanford so much bigger and stronger on the defensive line and <laughs> offensive line for like five <laughs> years at the beginning of the Harbon Shaw era and then suddenly didn't get weren't as big and strong for like the last five years and didn't have anything to do with like changes that they made at the like institutional level or at the strength and conditioning level. But those are rumors, and we're not going to give those any airtime on this show. But, like, that's, you know, something you might talk about is like a rumor. Dave's actually tweeted that like a bunch of times. <laughs> but I think there's, like, similar stuff. And, then, you know, there's some tongue-in-cheek stuff there. But I don't know. I hadn't heard that about the Oregon stuff. But I would say Hitler it's different if he wrote a front-page story, 24-7 sports would get involved. If you make a message board post... I mean, you could send it there and they might have something to say about it. I don't know, but that's, it's a little bit, it's different when you're like in the in middle of some thread on the premium message board versus like a front page story that you're tweeting it out. Yeah. And uh, I mean, uh, again, like not to belabor this, but he's literally in that thing. He's saying, I think, I strongly believe this is his opinion based yeah. on what he's heard. It's not like he's reporting it as news. It's, yes. This is what I've got based on what I've heard, but it's not like it's. This is what happened, according to sources. Um, so, yeah, nothing burger. All right. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That proverb was, uh, like a north wind that brings unexpected rain is a sly tongue which provokes a horrified look. Don't gossip. Fair. Uh, sly tongue? So he's saying that Chris has a sly tongue. Yeah. Uh, all right, we got one more. State of Los Angeles. This is from our, our buddy Zach, I believe. Uh, hey, Ryan and Dave. I usually go with true or false questions here, but since I missed last week due to my job, which Dave almost certainly thinks should be illegal, officiating uh, loving marriages between public companies, I, <laughs> I have a few UCLA and dollar sign UC specific questions for both of you this week. Given the state of USC... Uh, the state USC is in and UCLA appearing to be good. I'm curious if I gave each of you a hundred dollars to invest in both LA programs over the next five years, how are you allocating your capital? I mean, I'm not super confident. I'm not confident. So typically if you gave me a five-year window to invest in, I'd probably go like 70, 30, like 70 bucks to USC, 30 bucks to UCLA. That sounds about right. You know? Right now I'm probably going 50, 50 because okay. UCLA might have they might have something with Chip Kelly now. Like, who knows? Maybe. And USC, like, it really became apparent in that Oregon State game where it's not simply getting a new coach. I don't think that immediately makes this, like, 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one again. Like, I think they actually need to do some, like, culture change rebuilding stuff, which can take two or three years. So I'm more inclined to go 50 bucks, 50 bucks. I'd probably still go, like, 75, 25 or so. Um, I, I mean, Gerard did a piece on, like, Hey, what when Pete Carroll turned it around, what was like the roster like? And a lot of the analysis shows like their roster is better now than it was then. Well, yeah, and um, if you bring in a guy like Jeff Fisher, um to, <laughs> right. to I mean, again, you're talking about an ex NFL coach who's had some failures at that level, dropping down. Do you want to share the knowledge that you found out before the show? <laughs> Jeff Fisher is tied for the losingest coach in NFL history. Like, the most lo losses. Lo most regular season losses in NFL history. Yeah. How the hell did they let him coach that long? 
It's it's so funny when something really obvious, like literally the Rams had like the worst offense in the league, <laughs> and McVay comes in, same everybody else, and they're the best. Like it's like like how like how important is coaching? That's when you look at like Carl Durrell, like what is he like? You can get a young mind and just have a good offense. Like yeah, whatever you're doing is just awful. Uh, okay, so we okay, so we did that one. Dave, is UCLA built for sustainable success under Chip, or is this team more similar to the mid-level Power Five school that builds every three to four years for that one year where they're good, then have to start all over again? Think Iowa or Old Miss. It's a great question. Um, it's been my fear uh, for a while with UCLA that they were essentially recruiting like Michigan State or like Iowa or like one of those Group of Five schools that builds to a you know coalescing year where there's all seniors the reason why i think there might be some sustainability to this is uh the transfer portal has made it so that chip kelly has been able to actually uh, boost ucla's talent level because first la is an attractive destination for um any recruit but i think for whatever reason chip kelly's pitch appeals more to guys who have been through the circus once before um because it is a little bit more no bs um and they've got the proof now where they are willing and able to start and play guys who just come in um, that year. Uh, you know, every year there's starters who are just coming in from the transfer portal and they're able to integrate seamlessly. And I think it's an easy pitch and they've done it at multiple positions now. Um, so I think he's got um, the makings of a formula. It's just I, so much still hinges upon this season. If he puts together a truly successful season, which at this point I think you have to say nine and three or better, um, but if he puts that together, then that should boost high school recruiting enough because there are some spots where it's not it's not top tier UCLA talent. I think particularly in the secondary, um, they need to have some talent influx, um, wide receiver maybe, um, but secondary in particular. If they get that. Um, there's, I think there's real potential for this to sustain, um, thanks to uh, the transfer portal. Yeah, I think it just, uh, to me, it was more about a longer build, like rebuild. And now you're going to have like basically what you want. And yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be a, a roller coaster type of thing. If, if it's really truly something he built on, it just took him longer, you know, a lot than a lot of people wanted. Uh, then two questions for me. Who's dollar sign UC's starting quarterback the first game next year? And will dollar sign UC's Fan base, be happy with the next coach. Um, I, I'm going to guess Jackson Dart's the starting quarterback next year. He's looked uh, good in the time we got to see him, and I think they will be happy. I mean, just they were happy with Dante Williams. They just wanted someone that wasn't Clay Helton. Now it's like you're going to be up to the athletic department to make a good hire. I think they're, you know, unfortunately for Dave, like they don't have a athletic director that's a former football player that doesn't know what he's doing anymore. I'm not saying Mike Bone's the greatest one, but compared to what he's replacing, he's a, a super genius. So, um, yeah, I think that I think they'll get someone pretty good. And, and Mike Bone, Mike Bone, if I'm remembering correctly, he's the one who oversaw um, Colorado falling down into the muck of being terrible. Correct? I think he inherited John Embry. So, like, I don't think that was him. Did he fully inherit him? I think so. Or was like that was thrust upon him when he got the job or something. But he did hire Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. He was but, in Colorado but, okay, for let's nine say, years. Let's say he was bad at Colorado. Mm -hmm. And let's say he was like, Let's say it, because he was. Let's say he was average at Cincinnati, which he was definitely above average there. That would make him, compared to what <laughs> USC had, 
A super genius. You mean like, a guy who has actual experience doing this yeah, job before? Like he's been bad and could learn from experience, like learn from like bad decisions. Like even if he wasn't like take out Cincinnati, it would still be such an improvement over what USC had uh, there. So, but yeah, I think they'll I think they'll end up being happy. But I, I bet you it'll be Jackson Dart starting next year. Yeah, no way. John Embry was hired in 2010. He hired John Embry. From what we were told, though, it was like this was like forced upon him which you could say that's bad for the athletic director because like that was something that you know if you were a strong athletic director would you get it forced upon you but uh yeah anyway okay that's it that's all the questions sorry i'm just looking up i haven't really looked at mike bone before not great not great bob i mean luke fickle's like one of Hottest coaching candidates around. Yeah, but that was easy. That was easy to do. Oh yes, yeah. so if it's good, it's easy. If it's, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's Cincinnati. Like they could like make the yeah, playoff. but he's like an Ohio boy. Like and he, he, is he had boy. to find a job after being what was he? Ohio State's DC and uh, interim head coach too. Yeah, he had to find a, a new head coaching job. But uh, yeah, I mean, okay, sure, uh, we'll see what he does. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be interesting to see um, how the search goes and if any of the information gets out as it's going along. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's going to wrap things up. That is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast of Champions. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. You know. You just want an hour and 50 minutes of some Pac-12 football talk. I thought it'd be shorter because we had fewer games, but... We babbled too long. Alexa derailed us. There was a lot. A lot of things to clean up this week. There's a, I, I, we're going to watch the tape. Yeah, we're going we to... Uh, even when back. you have a big win like we did this week, you got, you got things to correct. We're going to correct it, yeah. and uh, we're going to get better next week. We're going to so. make our corrections. That's David Woods. I'm Ryan. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Podcast of Champions. We will talk to you next time. Goodbye.